getting people to step outside of their their comfort zone in terms of their their taste buds and their own sort of food that they consume and say like you know try this this is a black pudding or this is a lawn sausage or you know something completely different that 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 they would never normally taste um is what i enjoy the most this is the crackling i'm anthony huckstep There's been a lot of talk about chefs sourcing local and creating a real paddock-to-plate ethos. But it's not often spoke of in terms of butchers. But for artisan butcher Joel Young, paddock-to-plate and complete traceability is at the heart of everything that he does. Joel, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you on the show. You're in the heart of Gippsland. Tell us a little bit about the region. The region, well, Gippsland is uh, a vast spread sort of green belt that goes across um, Victoria. Um, it's pretty wide, it's pretty um, pretty various in terms of terrain and, um, yeah, I'm luckily enough to be right at the heart of it. Tell us a bit about that connection that you have with it and, and how you work with local to do what you do. So it hasn't always been that way. It's sort of something that I've – grown to love and sort of developed an appreciation for. Um, when I first opened my shop, we branched out and found local farmers and, you know, it's not until you sort of get out to meet these people and find their own values and livelihoods and how much they are sort of established from long generations of of farmers that um yeah you sort of sort of start to grow a, a different respect and a different appreciation for them and what they do and all all together which and then in turn i guess passes on to through the shop what triggered this this change in approach to foster those connections well it's it started um when i met my business partner at the time, um, I was still an apprentice and he was an old-style English butcher from over in the UK and he'd been over in Australia for a little while and he sort of taught me uh, the whole carcass approach and everything that sort of goes in and involved with um, whole carcass butchery and, you know, establishing those connections from for traceability. I want to explore what you're doing there and that connection and traceability that you've, you've created. Um, but take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family? So food for me, my, my background is Islander heritage. So food for us has always been a big uh, gravitation point, whether that be the the centre of our house was always the kitchen and meal times. So it's always been a big a big thing, a big gathering around food. So I think that's kind of where it all stems from, and my appreciation, my sort of my love of it, kind of blossomed from there. And it wasn't until I started to go to other friends' houses and things like that where you sort of see that you know those those sort of things aren't as common. But I've sort of held that true and it's always been a big thing and always been, you know, coming from a big family, um, that that's where that interaction was and that's where all the laughs were and, you know, some of the best memories have always been around the dining room table or sort of coming out of that kitchen or in the cooking process or, or whatever. Are there any dishes or feasts 
um, from that time growing up in your family that you can share with us that you remember? I do remember there's always been uh, a lot of seafood, but pork has always been one of those things that's always been considered a bit more of a delicacy. So at more uh, cultural events, whether it be or special occasions, we're talking, say, funerals and weddings, essentially, where there'd be mass, mass, we're talking hundreds of people, um, there would always be pork or some form of blood sausage or something like that, which sort of definitely signified that it was a special event and, and much more of a, of a cultural gathering. When did you first start to think about a career in food? Well, believe it or not, before this, I was uh, going down the route of an apprentice baker, and that was and that was doing the night shift. and And before that, it had always been um, tradey style trade, sort of straight from school. But going into into the food industry, going into the into the bakers, I absolutely loved it. You know, got getting to work with hands and having that form of creation and something like that just kind of made a lot more sense than strapping on a tool belt and going into a into a work site. So it made that transition from um, from baking into an apprenticeship into my local butcher shop. And I still remember my first day in there like it was yesterday, kind of the smell and it was cold and but everything about that the job or everything that I was doing just seemed to have clicked. And that was, you know, I would, I always say I'm one of the lucky ones that I found my, found my niche or found my passion or, or my love quite early. And that was at 18. And then, yeah, from there, it's just been teach me everything, just pretty much soak everything and anything up that I could. You mentioned um, the love of whole beast butchery. Do you remember the first time um, you had to break down a whole pig and what the experience was like? The first time that I ever did that, yeah, it wasn't until – so I was working early mornings and this is when I was still a first-year apprentice and the older butchers had their own block and they were doing majority of the cutting and I was kind of – at, right at the bottom doing the crumbing and all the little bits and pieces and stuff like that. And they would start really, really early in the morning and I wouldn't get in until probably closer to 7 a.m. And just watching them and hearing the banter and everything like that, that's sort of like – that for me was my goal. That's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the block with the with the men. So I would always say at the end of the day when, when we'd finish, like, oh, if I come in early, can I do this? Or if I come in early, can I do that? And I remember getting taken through my first time breaking down a pig. And to say that I butchered it would be an understatement. I made an absolute mess of it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just something. And that was sort of the first thing that I actually got to – got to break down which was something you know bigger than a than a chicken so that was really really cool and then and that was the first thing that I ever got to touch which was hanging off the rail and even still it was it was only small it was only taking the the shoulders off and then breaking down the loin but but from there I thought like this is this is absolutely awesome I want to do more of this well it's become a feature of what you do now tell us about breaking down a whole pig and and the process and how you approach it and what you need to do so for myself um obviously whole carcass um they come in with the like with the head and the trotters and absolutely everything so um that in itself was something that's 
that a lot of people don't get to see every day. So it's uh, one of those things. I've got a big open plan shop. So when customers come in off the street, they can see absolutely everything, the processes and everything that's going on. So I think doing that, um, it's breaking down walls physically and I guess like metaphorically to show actually what goes on inside of a butcher shop. So, you know, when people come in, they can see a whole carcass hanging or a whole that maybe you know taking the jowls off the head or something like that and you know it's sort of trying to make that connection again that it is you know people sort of didn't really like to see it at first but now there's almost a sense of an appreciation to see exactly what goes on Um, but everything majority of it's done on the block and all by hand you know we do have a bandsaw but it's uh, probably limited use. Everything's just, you know, a, a handsaw, a hook, and a knife. Just like it's, it's just really old school. Even when it comes down to every everything that we do is just, um, yeah, I guess traditional or old school. I guess. Tell us a bit about that. What's the benefits or why why that approach of that real hands on? I think what I like about it the most is that it's almost the sense of elegance to it. It's almost like a dance um, to try and get the bits and pieces away. Like it's not a a rush or a speed. You have to take your time. Um, I think you can establish a little bit more of a respect for it instead of just hacking it through and getting it out and getting like having that quick, fast-paced turnover. And that's that's sort of not the style of shop that I've tried to, to build up. I've sort of tried to lean away from having a fast-paced, high turnover, that short, sort of environment to take your time, get it right, make it look nice, eye appeals, buy appeals. So, you know, you take those extra um, little steps to make it look more presenting and make, making sure that those bones are clean and that it presents well and everything like that. And I think that's where, you know, that that little bit of appreciation comes in um, from a customer's point of view anyway. You have a, a great connection to farmers of the region for all sorts of proteins. Um, but tell us about uh, pig farmers. Do you, do you have connections and stories with local pig farmers that you showcase at the butcher? Yeah, for sure. So the local farmers, when I first moved to... Uh, the valley and open up the shop. They were in the middle of a really, really bad drought. So they were going through their own struggles, um, especially as as pork farmers, to um, you know, to try and feed and water and everything like that for their for their stock. So they were they were dealing with their own, uh, I guess, headaches and and problems that they that they always have been. But you know, getting in touch with local farmers is something that's really rewarding in itself. You know, a lot of a lot of farmers just sort of take their stock through and that, you know, as it's raised, that's sort of the end that they see it. They don't, a lot of them don't actually get to come in and see or have much, too much feedback on on how their product actually showcases. So it's, I've always um, made it a point to to go out and, and visit the farm when I can and try and stay in, in touch. And, you know, we're talking second, third, fourth generational farmers where it's, you know, that's the, that's their bread and butter. That's their whole life. And, you know, the Gippsland region. And I guess a lot of Australia was built off the backbone of, um, you know, of this industry, which is, yeah, which, which in turn needs to be, um, showcased and, and respected. 
you mentioned that you got the whole carcasses in. Tell us about what you look for um, from the pigs that you get in, what you need from great pork and, and how you treat it uh, in the butcher before um, selling it. I guess what we're really looking for is that really nice, uh, really nice shape. So we're looking for nice full legs, a nice solid uh, big eye muscle to there. Um, also the fat content, we want a nice cover over the top and that real nice sort of like bright pinky flavor, uh, sorry, uh, pink color, which is in turn is going to give it a really nice flavor. So definitely that fat content that's going around the outside is, um, is definitely needed. Um, and the beautiful thing about pork is that, you know, literally none of it goes to waste. Um, so, and the fat is where the flavor is and that beautiful back fat that comes across the pig is, you know, no one's trimming that off anymore. What do you do with the the different cuts? Can you take us through the pig and and how um, you utilize them and and what you do with them for sale? So, uh, a bit of a snapshot of the of my shop to give you an idea. It's a traditional English style butcher shop, so it's not there's not a whole great deal of value adding. Um, people come to me for the classic cuts and you know the cuts that are that are good and clean. If you want to, if you want a thick scored pork chop, um, you know, cut right in front of you, if you want something thinner or, or anything like that, you can, you can come and get it, um, sort of cut right in front of you, which is really, really, really different, especially for, um, for where I'm located anyway. So our, it's, it's basically traditional cuts and, and English style small goods. So we're looking at, you know, um, dry cured bacons, um, picnic hams, uh, shoulder hams, like we'd use the, use the jowls. We're doing traditional sausage, uh, black pudding, absolutely everything, which is um, that real big point of difference. And it's something that people travel for, um, you know, given the limited supply of English products that are available on the, or quality English products that are available on the market. Is there a favorite um, small good that you produce and can you take us through the process that you um, go through to make it? I think I would say it's probably my even top two, which is <laughs> it's pretty neck and neck. It'd be, have to be um, the English style bacon, which is cold smoked and dry cured. So that in itself is, a, is about a three-week process from pork to counter. Um, so obviously breaking down the, breaking down the pig and then it's, and then it's dry rubbed with the, with the salt and curing solution and then vacuum packed. And that one's, that one sits in that, in that cure that it's made by the, um, salt itself, uh, for about two weeks before it's cold smoked, packed again, and then sliced through. Um, and that one's, that one's, you know, something completely different altogether, which, you know, the, the masses of the. Australian market don't really get to experience, but you know, it's, it's always return customers that come back and say like, Oh, that bacon was amazing. Um, and also the black pudding, like black pudding is in itself an art form. And I've been lucky enough to, um, you know, have the tuition of experienced Englishmen to be able to show me how to do it. And that in itself is, is a process like everything you do, everything that we do with, with pork is, is a process, even down to the, we make small pork pies, and it's taking the bones from a whole butchered pig, um, which get roasted off, put into a stock pot, and then the pork from 
the trimmings goes into the pie mix and then we're using the cured gammon into the pie mix as well and then the lard from the top which which settles on the top of the stock um, gets folded back and made into the pastry so it's it's one big process and it's just a never-ending sort of cycle you have to be in front all the way so if there's no lard then there's no pastry then there's no stock so it's just yeah it's one big one big full circle what is it about the traditional english style sort of artisan butchery that has has fascinated you and um forced you to sort of leap right into it i like i guess the sort of whole the whole look, the whole feel, like when I first started in a butcher shop, it was, we were kind of tucked away at the back. Um, it was just a polo shirt and, and slacks and a, and a dirty half apron. And then I started to have a look online and I started to see all these other butchers from around the world, which, you know, we're talking the French style butchery, English style butchery, like all these guys, which are, going to work every day, then they're wearing an iron shirt and their slacks and a tie and maybe a jacket or just something that was just crisp and fresh. And the way that they're in front of the customers and everything like that, that really sort of like caught my attention and, and that's what I've really gravitated to. So just, just the whole look from that different style of hat and, you know, I was never an A-grade student. So, Mum as well was pretty happy that I'm going to work every day in an iron shirt and a and a tie and looking smart. So, you know, got to make mum happy as well. You've uh, worked in and butcheries, but your own you have your own now. What surprised you about owning your own uh, business? I think for myself, it was that difference, especially from creating a experience as soon as someone walked into the door so it was it was that big turn that sort of shifted me from a customer is a customer a job's a job they come in and they and they go to let's make sure that this is an experience for that person whether it's something that catches their eye as they're walking past or when they come into the shop and you know their name or you greeted them or you're taking the bag around just to you know, help them through the door or something like that. Just those, I guess, old school traditional values, which you don't really see too much anymore. I think a lot of shops and a lot of supermarkets are getting less and less and less um, friendly and a lot more faceless. So with the self-serve and everything like that. So I'm just sort of trying to instill and keep and just a lot of, a lot of old school tradition, I guess. It's not uncommon for consumers to lean on the butcher and ask them what are the best cuts and cooking techniques for different cuts. What's your approach with, particularly with pork and the recommendations that you give to customers? I think with pork, it's it's very um, personal the way you like your pork. You know, some people like it really well done, whereas over here you can have it at that little bit of pink in there. Um, and I guess everyone really wants to know, like, how do I get the best crackle? Um, which is another, another tricky one. That's, that's a, that's an obstacle in itself. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that's where, you know, going into the starting my own business and having to offer cooking instructions. Cause it's, it's very rare that, you know, you go to a restaurant and you get to talk to the chef and say, how did you cook that? 
Whereas, you know, it's an almost an expectation to go to your butcher shop and say, how should I cook this? Hey, who's the cook in your house? And do you have a favorite pork cut or dish um, that is that features? Yeah, so I do probably 98% of the cooking in my house. Um, you know, credit, credit to my fiance. She's um, enthusiastic. Um, but yeah, I do, I do majority of the heavy lifting. And I think, you know, for a lot of butchers, they're going to agree with me. The, the scotch or the neck, um, is pretty much a, a, a favorite out of, out of the pig and, you know, you know, pork belly as well. Never, never goes, um, never goes too far away from, a from a centerpiece in a dish, but yeah, definitely pork neck purely cause it's a, it's all usually carries that um, that nice marble or intramuscular fat, and it's got that nice dark cut, so it's rich rich with flavour, and it's completely versatile as well. It's a really clever one to to add to your to your arsenal. Has there been challenges doing what you do and sort of setting a new or raising the bar in regards to butchery? Um, what's what's the response been like? I think the hardest thing is. Establishing a, a sense of worth in the community because obviously going to local farmers and supplying that versus the sort of commercial available stuff from um, the bigger wholesalers, it's going to cost a little bit more. But there's, there is going to be that appreciation and always going to be sort of like the, the customers that turn around and, and, you know, sort of object to paying paying the price that you need to charge. But I think we're living in um, a lot more of a food culture or foodie culture right now where we're starting to see a lot more people come to you and ask those questions on where does it come from or is was it ethical or is it sustainable or is it Australian, especially when it does come around to pork. Um, so, And I think as a, as a producer of consumables, you have to be able to turn around to that, uh, to that customer and be able to provide them with some sort of an answer. So when people say um, when they when they ask me questions and I say you know it does come from here this is where the farm is it's right in our backyard I can show you where where it comes from um, I think there's a lot more of an, an appreciation not just for myself and the farmer but an appreciation in themselves that they've done the right thing. Sausages um, feature in just about everyone's diets on a weekly occurrence. Tell us a bit about the sausages that you make and the approach that you have. So English style sausages are a little bit different, I guess. Um, you know, they're they're full of flavour over in the UK. It's it's mostly pork sausage that they sell over there. So sort of trying to introduce, you know, that extra extra level of salt, um, the, a nice big thick style sausage like your Cumberland, which is a little bit different. It it comes in that spiral. So sort of trying to. Uh, educate and sort of introduce the the Australian market on you know what what goes into a good sausage and you know putting out nice coarse sausage and packing it full of flavor which is just you know your your basic herbs and, and spices and making everything from scratch so I think that's the um, that's the big thing when people come in and see that you're linking sausage in the front window that like that in itself is is really really cool to see. You're making quite an impact. Has there been um, any events that you've been part of or things that have um, come about as a result of, of the sort of work that you're doing? Uh, yeah. So, 
you know, just just recently featuring on a on a cooking show, and that I thought that was that was probably a bit of a highlight. That was really really cool. Um, but doing masterclasses and and demonstrations and um, pro- producing a lot of online content as well. Um, people are really, really interested and it wasn't until I started to produce videos online that, um, yeah, I didn't realize how interested people were in, in the meat that we eat, I guess. Tell us about that uh, experience on TV. It was with Adam Lior on the, on the cook up. Um, was it the first time on television? First time on TV. And that was, that was absolutely awesome. That was, that was something else altogether. Um, and Adam is great and super knowledgeable and, you know, I was, I was pretty chuffed to be able to educate him on a couple of, couple of butcher hints and tricks and, and names of cuts as well. So, you know, us as a butcher always likes to get one over the chef. <laughs> you've, you've built up an amazing business. What's, what's your future plans? Future plans, you know, the, the dream for myself has always been from, from day one is to create a sustainable chain in myself. So, you know, whether or not that actually happens or not is, is completely different story, but from uh, a farm um, to the shop, to a restaurant or a cafe, you know, that's, that is um, the big dream for me, but you know, I've got time on my side, so I'm in no rush. Are you doing amazing things at 3J's Butchers? Um, what do you love about what you do? I think the thing that I love the most would have to be um, the ability to create and how it's received uh, and even better when it's received well. So, you know, getting people to step outside of their their comfort zone in terms of their, their taste buds and their own sort of food that they consume and say like, you know, try this, this is a black pudding or this is a lawn sausage or, you know, something completely different that, 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 that they would never normally taste um, is what I enjoy the most. And, you know, especially if it's well received, you know, that's, that's even better. So even for the, such a small thing as the English pork pies, which is traditionally eaten either cold or at room temperature, trying to convince an Australian to eat a cold pie is almost like pulling teeth. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one of those things, as soon as you have it and you're sort of like, actually, you know, this is this is not too bad. Um, yeah, that in itself is a, is a real big win for me. Well, Joel, it's amazing what you're doing and it's an absolute honour to have you on The Crackling today to hear your story. Um, good luck with everything and please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.